0: You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. My name is Alec Jacks. I'm one of the pastors here at The Creek. And, uh, man, this morning, um, let's just let's just start like this. Um, anybody see the new Jurassic World movie? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Seven of us. That's cool. Might have to change my illustration. Um Anybody ever seen a Jurassic Park movie? Okay, there we go. Okay, we're, we're safe. Good. We're about to be in a totally different book of the Bible. But, man, um, it, it's, uh, I, I love those movies. I, like, I really do. And, and, like, they were just kind of a formative part of my childhood, right? Like, um, the first one came out in 1993. Uh, good year, I guess. And uh, just, just a really, like, like, when you're eight years old, there's nothing cooler than dinosaurs eating people, right? Like, it's just cool, you know, and uh, and, and I remember, uh, man, going to see the new movies, like, when they would come out for birthdays, and there's, like, 40 of them now, and, uh, man, they're, they're just killing it, right? But but here's, here's the thing about those movies, and, and by the way, like, I'm hoping, just want to be honest with you, cards on the table, that, like, when Revelation talks about, all things being made new and all things being restored, that that all includes dinosaurs. I'm just, and like, you'll see me, hopefully in eternity, riding a velociraptor. I don't know. Um, that's not in the Bible. But it uh, just gotta be like real with you. It's not there. You can't find it. Not even the message version. So, um, but here's the thing about those movies. Like, like if there were an overarching theme for, for every Jurassic Park, Jurassic world movie, lost world, like all of them, it, it's this um, that when you play God, life finds a way, right Like things get messy um, and, and here's here's what I know is um, some of us like not that not that we would ever verbalize right that, that we want to play God um, but but in the same way. Um, we 've got our like control issues, right? Like, like our our hands are so tightly on the steering wheel of life and, and we're just going along and and we really, at, at points in our life, like we may not verbalize this, but but we would go, I want to be the commander of my destiny, right that, that we want to without saying it, be, be the Lord. And, and right This has been the problem since the beginning. but um, but really today, we're going to look at a passage um, where someone who was a servant decided that they wanted to be the master of the house. And, and just like in, in Jurassic Park, and, and honestly, like, just like in our lives, when we try to be the Lord, uh, that, that goes south quickly. And, and so um, we're, we're just going to talk about that today. And, and, and here's my hope, is that we would be able to give some of our control back to the Lord this morning. So would, would you pray with me? Awesome. God, thank you so much for, honestly, Lord, just being a God that we can trust. Because if we can trust you, God, it's going to be way easier to give you our lives. And so we just ask for help this morning to be aware of where we're holding on to control um, and where we're holding on to being um, the master when, when we're just servants of you, God. Help us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're, we're going to be in Luke. I know that's shocking if you've been here for any length of time, but um, go ahead and flip over to Luke 12. Um, just as you're flipping there, we're going to be in verse 35. And so you know, Jesus has been teaching on um, just just kind of the generosity of life. He's been teaching on um, anxiety and how we can trust him. And, um, and, and then he talks about money a lot, stewardship a lot. This is in, in just kind of a section in Luke where it's a bunch of discourses or teachings from Jesus, um, he says really fun and light and chipper things like, hey, don't be afraid of being killed by someone else. Be afraid of being killed by the Lord because then he'll throw you into hell afterwards, right? Like super light stuff um, and, and just like leads from that into anxiety and into where we're going this morning. Um, so if you're, if you're with me, verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning, and, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door for him at once when he comes and knocks. And just so you know, the master here is the Lord. Not super surprising, right? But, but here's what Jesus is saying. Hey, um, the master is, is coming home at some point. It's like he's returning from a wedding feast. You should be the servants who are waiting and ready. You're your loins are girded, so to speak right uh, your your torches are lit and and when he knocks you 're going to be ready to answer the door now no we don 't have um, masters really in the same sense in two thousand and eighteen right like thank, thank goodness right but 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 here 's the closest thing I can think of to this kind of situation. Anybody ever work in a restaurant? Just curious, yeah, so okay, uh, anybody ever work in like a chain restaurant like like corporate and um so, so here's here's kind of how the, I process through this. Um, when I worked at Zio's Italian Kitchen in Humble in high school, I don't even know if it still exists. It wasn't that great, but uh, if you work at Zio's, I'm sorry and I love you, but um, here's the thing. It is a, about every three months, uh, for, for no particular reason, right, um, my manager uh, would show up in a tie. And and here's the thing, it is his Pants would actually be ironed. And then this weird thing happened. He, he would actually, despite no previous history of this, um, be able to, on that day, show up on time. <laughs> and, and everybody else did on that day. And it, it was kind of strange. And, and so you, you would look around and everyone would just be working so hard. I mean, sweeping, you're shining toilets. I don't even know if that's a thing you do, but they did. And, um, and, and here's, here's why. What this meant... Was that my boss had his boss coming, right? like like that corporate was going to show up that day. and And what happens when corporate shows up? Everything, right? You do everything in your power, despite maybe up until that point being a terrible employee, um, to do everything in your power to present yourself as trustworthy and indispensable to the company, right? And so this is what Jesus is saying. Look, corporate's coming. Master's gonna come home. You should probably look like we gave you a job. (laughs) Like You should probably look like you're being responsible with what the Lord has entrusted you. And so here's where he goes with this. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Pretty obvious, right? Like you don't want the, um, like when you're in your boxers and the pizza delivery guy gets there, like you don't wanna be like, Sorry, Jesus, give me a minute. I gotta put on some ba- Like, you wanna be ready when he arrives. Please don't visualize that, by the way. Um, but he says, truly, I say to you, sorry, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come, this is huge, and serve them. Jesus is being ironic here, right? Like, like it's not ironic that the master is gonna come home. It's ironic that when he gets home, that, that he's going to dress himself for service and, and start making sandwiches for people, right? That he's going to actually now serve them. Masters don't do that. It's why they're called master, right? They, they don't associate with servants. They don't serve servants, but but this master does. That's, that's different. And, I love the way the NLT renders it. I don't always love the NLT, but it says this. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. It says this in verse 38. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Nothing complicated here. This is Jesus just saying, hey, the master's coming. You probably ought to be ready. For the believer who who for our entire you know, 2,000-something years of trusting in Jesus, like, our largest hope has been that Christ will return. His word to us here is, hey, he's coming. You should probably be aware of that. <laughs> you should probably act responsibly in the light of that. And so here's, here's where he goes. I love this. Peter interjects, because he's Peter, and he says this. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us? Or for all? And, and what's Peter saying here? Peter's saying, hey, Jesus, I don't know if you saw this, but I'm obviously ready. So uh, this is for those guys, right? This is for the other guys in the room. And what does Jesus say? Just flat out ignores the question, which I, I kind of love. And he literally just responds by pulling him back into the story, which is to say, this is also for you, Peter, you moron. But here's what he says. And the Lord said, who then... Is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. So, who's the person responsible for for the master's stuff and the people in his household? Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing, taking care of his stuff when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk, stop. Here's what's, just real quick, I just want you to notice, the reason he starts to do these things is because he believed something that wasn't true about the master. He he said, if that servant says to himself, my master's delayed in coming for whatever reason. Maybe he doesn't believe the master's capable. Maybe he just thinks the master's untrustworthy, like he lied about when he's going to get home, right? For whatever reason, he believed something that wasn't true about the master and it caused him to act in ways that reflected poorly on his ability to serve. So he starts to beat people. He starts to drink the master's wine and get drunk. He starts to eat the master's food. And and like, it's been pretty light up until this point, right? Like, man, he's going to come serve us. And, and this is kind of where the passage just takes a turn. And so here's, here's that turn. The master of that servant, the one who beat the male and female servants, drink the master's wine, will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at an hour, he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. What? And and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Chipper, welcome to the creek. Right? Here's here's what's going on. There, there's a couple things going on here. Well, like honestly, the second two make sense a little bit, right? Like like every action has an equal opposite reaction. Like there are gonna be consequences for the things we do, right? In every situation, we're aware of that probably. Or if you're not aware of that, your life is a mess and you need to figure out what consequences are, right? But otherwise, um, the reality here is e- even if you don't know the rules, you're still responsible for them in most parts of life. Like, Like if you drive hundred miles per hour through a school zone, you're probably going to get, like, even if you weren't aware it was a school zone, you should be in trouble for that, right? Like, can we all agree on that? But here's the thing. If you then go to the police officer and go, oh, I knew it was a school zone and I didn't care, that's not going to go well for you. <laughs> like, like the, the severity of the punishment is going to be escalated, Right? And and so th- that's all the second to mean is, hey, there are consequences for your actions. And um, if you're deliberately disobedient, that's different from deliberately disobedient with, with ignorance. And so, so here's, here's the first one, though. And I think this might be the most important for us. Um, it, it says that he's going to be put with the unbelievers, right? Cut to pieces, put with the unbelievers. And, and that's a big, harsh statement. But, but here's what's going on. This man is someone who, because of the way he acted, obviously did not care about the master, obviously did not care about the people who the master put him over, and and obviously did not care about the things that he was set over as a steward, like didn't care for the master's stuff, in fact got drunk on his wine and started beating his servants. That's a big deal. Here's what that reveals. He didn't know the master. He had no idea who the master was, or he would have feared him, respected him, and left him, right? And so here's here's the reality that we all live in. There are going to be people, and maybe this is you, and I just want to be like gut-level honest with you before we move on. There are going to be people who spend a lot of time in church, who are in the master's house being cared for, who are surrounded by the master's people, and who have been given stewardship over things. And and there are going to be people who are in church who do not care about the Lord, who do not care about the Lord's people, and who do not care about what the Lord has put them over. And here's what that reveals. They don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And, and, and so when Jesus says, hey, we're, we're going to put them with the unbeliever, that's not this huge like, oh my gosh, what? This is a moment where, where he's put with the unbelievers because he's an unbeliever, right? And so here's here's the thing is if if that's you this morning, just want to be like gut level honest. If that's you this morning and you're going, I I go to church but I don't love the Lord. And and I don't really love his people and, and honestly like he's put me over some things, but I don't really care about those things. Then then listen, maybe it's just time for you to to go grab a cup of coffee and some headphones and have a good long quiet time where you just go to the Lord and go, hey, what's going on here? Like, why is my heart still set this way when your word says it should be set a different way? Because I think I think it's if you're in that position, it's a scary position to be in. You, you want to be assured of your salvation. And so just, just a conversation to have with the Lord. Just a conversation to have with the Lord. But here's where he, he kind of ties it all back together because that got really intense. But, but here's where he's going with this. This is kind of the key under the mat for the whole passage, right? It says this, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. That's the end of the passage, right? And, and here's... Here's how Jesus kind of ties all of that together. The servant had been entrusted with the Lord's household, with the master's stuff, with his family. And and at the end of the day, he kind of just passed on responsibility. And Jesus is saying, look, no, 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 no. If he's given you something, he's entrusting you with it. You're you're to steward it. So this has become a stewardship passage in that last little verse. And and here's, here's all Jesus is saying. Look, you have to go Ecclesiastes style, right? A, a limited number of days under the sun. You just do. I don't know if you know that. Like <laughs> You do. Um, you have a, a limited number of dollars in your bank account. You have a limited number of family members. You have a limited number of abilities, and God wants you to use all of them for his glory, not yours. And so to do that and to show us how to get there. This passage just kind of asks us three questions. Here's the first one. If you're following along in your notes and you're taking notes, here it is. What do you believe about your purpose? Let me me just say this. These are three like base level questions that if you answer them a certain way, it's gonna change everything about your life. What do you believe about your purpose? Um, Purpose is a weird word in 2018, right? (laughs) Like, like, we all answer that question different ways. Um, it, most of us, if we're asked our purpose, would probably just respond with our job. Like, um, what's your purpose? Well, I'm, a, um, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I, I'm not, obviously. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen me try to do math. It goes badly. Um, but, but some of us would just answer, you know, what's your purpose? I'm a student pastor. I'm a, some of us get a little more fuzzy and warm with it, right? So, so um, what's your purpose? I want to be a great dad which is noble, like that's not, a, that's not a bad thing, but but that's not even the ultimate purpose because here, here's what the Lord says in this passage. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he'll set you over all of his Possession. So here's here's the thing about this passage, um, and I want to say something just kind of crazy, just like a, a little a little further than than maybe we normally think. And, and here it is: whether or not you're a believer, like like if you're um, like believer all your life, born on the altar, like. Like, you've been here forever, or you're an unbeliever. Like, you don't even know. Like, when I say the word believer, you're like, I don't know what that means, and that kind of scares me. Is this a cult? Uh, Or, or like, maybe you thought popsicles were going to be here this morning. And I don't know. Whatever it is, whether you're a believer or not, you have already been entrusted with all that the Lord has. You have. Like, you have been given something to steward And and let me show you that that's true, because I know that sounds crazy. Genesis 1, then God said, and I want you to listen here for purpose. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have, what, dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven, over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female, he created him. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So so what just happened? God literally made man and woman put them in a garden. And, and then what's the very first thing he does? Puts them in charge of some things. What things? Everything. I don't know if you know people this is a terrible idea like to me I'm just being real like this is this is the worst idea and 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 here's the thing though is is God just gave all of his authority to the man and the woman and, and listen they're still under authority right like they're under God's authority but to go back to the restaurant analogy real quick it's it's if God is the GM, he has just hired some floor managers, right? And, and he has given his authority to these managers. And he said, listen, you're going to run things, do whatever you want, but steward it, protect it, and use it for my glory. Fill the earth with what? Images of the Lord, specifically in the form of men and women. Crazy, this is nuts, y'all. He, he has given everything now to the man and the woman. He's given them his authority, but it's an authority to steward what he's given them. And so he gives them this authority. And, and listen to me, this is this, like, like you may hear, hey, it's all going to burn anyways, so let's just forget about it. And, and listen, that's silly and unbiblical, because Jesus is saying in this passage, look, hey, you have been given the world to steward for his glory. And, and so here's where this goes. This command didn't change in the fall. <laughs> like you still have been called, whether you're a believer or not, to steward everything that the Lord puts into your hands. And so this passage is a calling back to that. And so you can either be an owner or a steward. And, and listen, listen, If you're the owner of everything God has given you, if you're the owner of your life and your time and your money, you're going to spend your life trying to make your name great, trying to achieve some mythical status and trying to, with every time you get a raise, up your standard of living because it's all about you. And and listen, when you meet the actual owner, it's going to be an awkward conversation That's all I'm saying. Or you can be a steward. And and stewards protect and do everything in their power to use what the Lord has given them for his glory. Not not that we're building an empire, but that we're building his kingdom, right? And so we as stewards will have a much better conversation because the Lord is going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, if we live according to that purpose. That's a way better conversation to have. Here's the second question, and it kind of flows out of this. If we've been called to cultivate life, to to flourish, to create, to work hard, not for us, but for him, here's the question then, is what do you believe about your master? What do you believe about your master? And and here's, here's where this comes from. What was it that made the wicked servant start to behave foolishly? It's this, if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and to get drunk. He's just tearing through the master's stuff. Um, The thing is, it became that way because he believed things about the master that weren't true. He believed things about um, who his master was, what kind of man he was, how capable he was of keeping his word, and what he believed wasn't true, so it caused him to act a certain way. Way Here, Here's what I know. Um, how, how many of us have a boss, like some kind of boss over us? Yeah, like um, Some of y'all are self-employed, so this metaphor gets a little fuzzy. But um, he, here's the thing. You know certain things about your boss, and it causes you to act a certain way. You know what he likes, you know what he doesn't like, or she. Um, and, and so here's, here's the thing. If you believed, let me just offer this to you, that your boss was... Can we use some theological words? Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. If you believe that your boss was omniscient, knows everything, right? And and let's also just throw out another one. Um, if he was omnipresent, right? Like if he was everywhere at once, at all times, forever, that would probably change how much you play on Facebook at work, right? <laughs> and not that you do, <laughs> But if you did, that would probably change that, right? So let's let's also say um, that you have a boss who, I don't know, um, loves to elevate the humble and, and loves to just crush the proud. That that would probably change the way you act in meetings, right? Like, like that would change your attitude a little. Here's the thing. Um, you know these things to be true. Like, everything that I just gave you, those four things, like, those are like, out of the Bible, like I'm not just pulling these things out. And, and here's the thing, uh, if we know those things about the Lord, that should change the way that we live. And if we believe those things to be true about the Lord, then that should shape our actions. And so just like the, the servant believing wrong things about the Lord changed his actions, It changes everything. What you believe about the Lord changes everything. A.W. Tozer said it way more eloquently than I ever could. What comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And and listen to me, it should shape how you use your time. It should. And so here, let me just offer this question. If you were to sit down with a non-believer, somebody who's totally lost, like does not know the Lord, doesn't even like know the name Jesus, whatever, and, and they were to be with you for a day, a, a week, a, a month, a year even, what would they infer about your master? What would they be able to see about Jesus in the way that you spend your time? And, and listen, that's convicting for me. Like I don't know if that hits you, but but probably, if you're like me, you see a lot of me in your time. What about your money? It, like like let's just say hypothetically, this person had like access to everything, all the accounts, all the passwords, looked at your money. What would they see about Jesus in that? Probably a lot of me, right? What we believe about our master should change the way that we live. What we believe about who God is should change the way we handle our money and our time. And so, as we think about that, we're called to be stewards. Um, Ephesians five fifteen says, "Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil." And so we we have to answer that question: What do we believe about our master? Because, listen, Jesus is so much more than master. He is a friend, savior, redeemer, healer, and and we walk with him, and if we believe those things to be true, that's gonna change the way that we live. Here's the last question, and it's this. What do you believe about eternity? What do you believe about eternity? And here's what I don't mean. (laughs) I don't mean, are you... Uh, pre-millennial, post-millennial, a-millennial. Like, that's not not what we're asking. Although, my favorite that I've heard recently is pan-millennial. Have you heard it? It's all gonna pan out in the end, right? Um, It's fine. If that wasn't funny to you and you didn't get that joke, you're really not missing much, I promise. But here's the thing, is we've got to answer the question what we believe about eternity. And, And I'm not talking about like, second-tier, third-tier issues. Like, I'm talking about at your core, what are the things you believe are going to happen in eternity? Because this passage gives us a big one, and here it is. Here's the truth about our king. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come And serve them. What kind of king takes off their formal wear when they get home around the servants and serves them? Our king, let me show you. Revelation 19, 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And then in verse 9. And the angel said to me, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You need to catch this, because here's what this just said to us, that the Lord, like all of our lives, like if you look around you, it's easy to see that things are broken, right? Like flip on the news for a second, get on Twitter, God help you. Like, it takes you seconds to see stuff is not as it should be. And so listen, the hope of the lifelong Christian is that someday, some way, we would be in the presence of Christ. We long for that. Our hope is in that. Everything we desire is found in Jesus. And so, man, we consistently go, we need to be in his presence. And here's what this passage just said. Not only do we long to be in his presence, but he longs to be in ours. And guys, you've got to get that. We don't have a Lord who sits on the sideline, but rather we have one who is anxiously awaiting the day when he would not only be our king, but that he would serve us at the marriage supper of the Lamb, that eternity, listen to me, what eternity looks like is us forever being in the presence of the Lord. And that's not just our desire, that's his. He longs to be with you. He wants to be in your presence. And he wants you in his. And that's a different kind of king. That's a very different kind of king from what we talk about normally. And so here's here's some truths about eternity that that are, I think, important for us to remember. The first is that Jesus is closer today to returning than he's ever been. It's important to remember, but but here's the, the second thing in that his because uh, I don't want you to believe untrue things about the master. His delay is not delay, it's patience and grace. and here's what I mean before you became a believer, Jesus did not return, and the reason why you're a believer Is because Jesus didn't return before you gave your life to him. And and listen to me, the reason he has not returned yet, and come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. But here's the truth the reason he has not returned yet is because in his grace and patience, he has given you time and the good news of the gospel. That you might share it and that that feast in eternity might be expanded to more and more men and women who desperately need grace. That's the time we've been given. And so, excuse me, we're good. Jesus is alive and he is patiently waiting and we wait on him and he's coming. So we should act accordingly. And so in this season, you should absolutely ask yourself, what is my purpose? What do I believe about the master? What do I believe about eternity? How is that shaping you? It should. Just just last week, not even a joke, not an exaggeration, me and my wife literally had to have the conversation that our goal is not to pay back debt, and our, although that would be awesome, right? I admit, some of y'all are like, yes. But, but our goal is not to pay back debt. Our goal is, is not to be comfortable. Our goal is to steward everything that the Lord has given us. And to that end, we will strive for the rest of our days. We may not do it perfectly. And so what do you believe about eternity? Because it should affect you today. Let's pray. God, we love you and we're so thankful. Honestly, Lord, that you have given us these days and this hour and this breath and this moment that we might glorify you, Lord. And so we just ask for your strength and and God, that we would believe correct things about you. That, That we wouldn't see theology as this weird, goofy thing that's not close to us, but that we would wanna know you intimately, know who you are, know what you call us to so that we might live today for you. Help us, Lord. We need you. It's not in our power. It's in your power we rest. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at